Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. We are starting a brand new series today uh, called A Summer uh, in the Psalms. A Summer in the Psalms. And uh, we're going to be looking every week uh, at a different psalm. And uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but the psalms, most of them correlate with Old Testament happenings. So there's, there's, you, can, you can draw a certain psalm to the Old Testament happening and it actually gives a greater depth or insight uh, on that psalm. So we're going to be diving in together and uh, I believe it's going to really speak to you. And, and I said this in the, in the first service, and I really believe this, I believe there are some principles in today's message that if you applied them could alter the trajectory of your life. I was like a massive statement, but I really believe this. I believe that the keys in this message, if you applied them, will alter the trajectory of your life. That's a big deal. So I want you to go, the, go in, your, in your Bible. We'll have it on the screen as well. Psalm 42. We're going to read the entire psalm, so just take a little rest and uh, just listen to the psalms. As the deer pants... For the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I poured out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from the Mount of Mazar. Deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Isn't that awesome? Psalm 42. The Psalms are written... And um, a lot of people don't know this, but the, the Psalms are a collection of poems or songs. And so as, as they were written, uh, a lot of them don't rhyme. And the reason that they don't rhyme is Hebrew poetry was written different than our poetry. Hebrew poetry was written uh, not with rhyming words, but with rhyming stories or rhyming thoughts. So they would rhyme their thoughts, but not necessarily the words in the thoughts. And then another version, and this is what we see in, in this psalm of Hebrew poetry, is conflicting thoughts, which would be, one is, I'm in the depths of despair, and now I am just rejoicing and praising the Lord. This is the life of David, if you've never read the psalms before. It is, God, you've forsaken me. God, there you are. God, why did you leave me? God, you'll never leave me. It's like, wait. David, what's happening? But it's the pendulum between what he is experiencing currently and what he knows to be true. It is, it is the swinging pendulum of what he senses and what he believes. It's the swinging pendulum between his current position but what he believes to be his future position. And you see this throughout Hebrew poetry and specifically in the Psalms is that David will state his condition 
But then he'll also state the faithfulness, faithfulness of his God. He'll, he'll state his current trouble, but then he'll also state the future hope or the future deliverance that God would bring him. And that's what I want to look at today. And, and, and this, this scripture, it says it over and again, over and over again. Why are you so downcast? Why are you so disturbed? And I know for some of you NBA fans, it's because the Golden State Warriors are losing. Um, there's, yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, so I'm just like, I'm just rejoicing that the, yeah, anyways. Uh, you know, it's just, it just seems right that they go down. Um, the Golden State Winers will not get another ring. Yeah, it's just, it's just how it is, all right? I, I feel better. I just had to get that out. Why, why so disturbed within me? You ever, you ever felt disturbed? You ever felt just like what David said, so just in despair? He starts this psalm by saying, I long for the presence of God. He says, as a deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. I want you to know this as we begin, is that our hearts should desire God. Our, our, we were created with eternity in our hearts. We were created with a desire for God. And David, he explains this desire very, very uh, intensely as he says, as a deer pants for the water, so my soul, it longs for you. It desires you. He says, where can I go? How can I find you? How can I get in your presence? How can I get before you? And I want you to know this is that God's plan for you is that you would desire him that way. But for many of us, we're so full of other things that it's difficult to be hungry for God. This is, this is true of, this, of King David, is that he did not have a lot of lack. It's not like he was missing a lot of things. He was rich. He was wealthy. And so for him to be hungry, theologians believe it was him saying no to things that could have filled him so that he would be hungry for one thing. This, this is how you cultivate spiritual desire, is you say no to the things that you are leaning on so you can say yes to the thing that you want to be hungry for. And I just want you to know this, if anything today, my prayer is that God would begin to stir spiritual desire, like holy desire, a longing for the presence of God, a longing for who he is. And, and some of you are like, man, I'm good, I love Jesus, I've been a Christian for years, I just I don't have like a, a longing, I don't have a desire. And I want you to know, you need to stir that desire up so that when you come into the house of God, you come hungry. That when you come into the presence of God, you come hungry. You come ready to receive from what God has for you. It's, it's interesting in this, in this psalm, and some theologians believe the sons of Korah, descendants of Korah wrote this. Some theologians believe it was David. David, when he ran from Absalom and, and, or any of the other situations that David encountered that were difficult in his life. And David had a lot of difficult situations. Now, here's the thing about David. David never had a problem saying what he was going through. I, I think in, in like Christian circles, we have a problem being honest about what we're feeling, like everybody's feeling blessed, right? It's like, that was like my biggest thing when I moved from Washington to Texas. Anybody you ask how they are doing, this blessed, brother, blessed. I'm like, well, we don't say that in Washington. We just don't talk to people. But y'all are like, blessed, brother. But, but we're not. Like, we don't feel blessed. We just say we're blessed. I'm blessed. That's what we say. It's a, it's a greeting. It's not actually a depiction of how we are because oftentimes we don't feel blessed. The, David, he describes how he's feeling. He says, my tears have been my food day and night. 
while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to, as regret, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. He's remembering how things used to be. And I want you to know this is that it is very obvious when there is outward affliction that something's going on in your life. For instance, if you have an injury that people can see, people have sympathy on you because they can see it. It is way easier to see something outwardly than it is inwardly. I, I remember uh, a couple weeks ago, I was, I was dealing with my son, uh, Jude, who happens to be in this service, and uh, how you doing, buddy? And, uh, and, and he was having a tough day, all right? So we'll disguise it a little bit, but he was having a tough day, like really bad. And um, just to, to, to like uh, having a little, needed a little attitude adjustment. And so finally, you know, I'm, I'm just like, yo, bro, what's the problem? Like, what, like really, what, what is wrong? Just try to put it into words, like, what is happening? And he goes, I don't know. And I'm like, well, it's obvious something is going on. So later he's, I'm approaching him again. I'm like, okay, you just need to like tell me what is, like, what's happening? Like, are you sad? Yeah, I'm sad. Okay, perfect. We're making progress. Why are you sad? I don't know. Okay. We got to figure out why this is happening. I want to know, I want to know that outward affliction that is causing this inward reaction. See, this is how most of us walk through our life is that something happens outwardly that causes us to react inwardly. Not everybody can see what's happening inwardly. That's why you can be in pain today and nobody can know it. That's why you can be lonely today and nobody can know it. That's why you can be sitting in these seats and feel anxiety or stress and nobody can know it. But my guess would be is that that inward condition is connected to an external situation. There, there is a connection between the two. Years ago, I went on a skiing trip, and, and uh, some friends and I, we went to Utah, and, and uh, I was 20, 22 or 23, and, and uh, we flew out. We had this trip planned forever, and uh, finally made it, and the Olympics had just been there, and, and so we went out on the mountain, and uh, as any great skier should do, we didn't stretch, didn't warm up, just went straight to the Black Diamond. And so we're cruising down a black diamond, and because of the weather, there was, a, there was a crust of ice on the top and a lot of powder beneath, and so we were just roaring down the mountain on our first run, and so my ski broke through that crust. My body was going very fast. My ski stopped, and so I completely blew out my knee, tore my ACL, MCL, and PCL, and so was, had to go to do straight on the sled to the emergency room, had to have emergency surgery, fly home, and uh, after this surgery, which they had to take in a, an Achilles heel, an Achilles tendon uh, from a cadaver to replace my PCL, which is like really oogie to me, but you know, it's just like, wow. It's, and I, I actually asked the doctor, I was like, can I choose what cadaver? because it's very important that I'm like athletically able. I don't want you to like choose some dud for me to get there. You know, it's like, you know, make sure we're like top of the game. And, and, and after the surgery, you know, with the ACL tear, a lot of times they'll put you in, in mobile boots or casts and so you can move it. Uh, with this particular surgery, I was immobile for 12 days. And I remember laying in my bed for 12 days and, um, you know, like bedpan, everything just there, can't, cannot move. And I remember I was like, I just started to get super discouraged. By day 11 or 12, I'm just like down. And I'm just, I, I'm feeling like dark, like, man, what is life? 
It's like life wasn't even that bad. It's just an external situation caused an internal emotion. And if you can't connect the two, you will think that the internal emotion is just life now. Oh yeah, life just isn't that good. But you have to be able to connect the internal emotions to the external condition, the external affliction, the external situation. And this is what David is a master at, is he understands what's happening externally. He understands what's happening internally. You know those people that can't talk about their feelings? You know, it's like, how are you doing? Good. How's your marriage? Good. Would you like to win a million dollars? Good. That's not even an answer. It's just like, that's all they can say. They have a pro- David is not that guy. David is like full on emoting all over the Psalms. It's like, I think I feel terrible today. It's like, thank you. Anything else, David? Like, I mean, he, he just lets it out. He says, even, even in this passage, we, I, I feel so discouraged. I feel downcast. I feel disturbed. I want you to know this. There is a, there is a difference between what you sense and what you have faith to believe for. And the difficulty in Christianity is how do I reconcile what I feel and what I believe to be true? How do I reconcile the, the, the things that I'm currently going through and what I believe God has for me? So I know God has joy for me, but I feel sad. I know God has freedom for me, but I feel bound. I know God has a good future for me, but I feel bad. My sense will tell me where I currently am, but it also influences sometimes what I believe about my future. So you have to be careful that your current sense doesn't rob you of future faith. So that because you had an external situation, that now you don't believe that the situation will ever change. Because you had a bad day, because you had a bad week, because you had a bad injury, that now this is your lot in life. I want you to know this, God masters, he is, a, he is a master at turnaround stories. He is a master at breaking through. He is a master at, at making something out of nothing. How do you reconcile what you feel and what you're trying to believe? What do you do when your situation is screaming louder than your inner faith? It's like, we, we, we love to talk about faith, and faith preaches good. Like, man, you go through a bad day, have faith. You don't need money? Have faith. Go through crisis? Have faith. Excuse me, going through puberty again. <laughs> have faith. It's easy to preach, but it's difficult to live. Then you start preaching about faith, people start standing up, doing laps around the building, saying, yeah, come on, get your faith up, get your faith up. But, but it's harder to live. It preaches good, but it's hard to live because faith is not what you can see. Faith is what you cannot see. And your senses and your faith will fight each other. Because my faith believes that God can do anything while my senses tell me I'm stuck where I am. I'm stuck in this current situation. There's a difference between hope and faith. Hope and faith, people use these words a lot, hope and faith, and in the scripture, the psalmist, he uses hope. Hope is belief for a future good. Faith is believing that the future good could be now. Hope is believing for breakthrough someday. Faith believes that that breakthrough could happen right now. Hope and faith work together. Hope keeps you going. 
Hope that something can turn. Hope that something can change. Hope that you'll be something. Hope that you'll be married. Hope that your kids will turn out all right. Hope. It keeps you going. But faith, faith is so powerful because faith pulls that hope into your current reality. So I believe God can show up. I hope God will provide. I have hope for a good future. But my faith says my good future could start today. Faith says my breakthrough could happen. It could happen. This is why church should be exciting. Because church is not just about hope. Church is about faith. So not only do I hope God has something for me, I believe that, that, God, that something that God has for me could be right, right now. What if today's the day that you break through? What if today the day is the day God answers your prayer? What if today is the day? If you're just hoping for it, that's great. But you need to combine the hope with faith. Faith, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says this. Faith is. It, it is. It's the current state. It's, it's not, faith, faith is not for something in the future. Faith is for now. Faith is confidence in what we hope for. In what we hope for. It's, it's confidence in what is we hoping for in the future. It brings it into our reality. And assurance about what we do not see. Faith is. You know, you've, you've heard people talk, and it's a big thing right now, self-care and taking care of yourself. And I'm not going to go on a rant about self-care, but I have my own thoughts about that. But, but I want to ask you this. Have you ever heard about self-talk? Self-talk? Like how you talk to yourself? You ever know those people that just like talk to themselves for real? They're just like going around, you know, just, just talking away, just having a great conversation with themselves. I'm going to tell you something that's super powerful. If you learn how to talk to yourself effectively... You could change the way that you feel or think about situations. David was a master at talking to himself. He's a self-talker. He's talking to himself all the time. If you read the Psalms, and we'll see it all throughout this summer, David is talking to himself all the time. This is a scripture we read. Why are you so downcast? He was not talking to anybody. He was asking himself, which is actually a really good question to ask yourself. Why am I angry? Why am I upset? Instead of just being something, it might be good to inquire about why do I feel stressed? Why do I feel impatient? Why do I feel lustful? Why? You should just ask yourself the question. This, this is what David did. He just asked himself the question. Why are you so discouraged, David? Why are you so downhearted, David? Sounds silly. But David had mastered a principle that we talked about in the beginning about recognizing where he was, but not settling in that place for a permanent place. Not allowing that place to be a permanent place. And I'll show you to you in, in, in verse 6. Go ahead and put that up on the screen. Verse 6, it says this. My soul, he's talking about himself, my soul is downcast. Now just pause there for a second. Leave it up there. My soul is. This is his current condition. Do you know what your current condition is? Because that's really important. Where I am right now. Where, where, where I find myself. Are you okay? Like, do you, do you know if you're okay? My soul is. And then he says, therefore, I will. So my, and this can be bad grammar, but just get over it, okay? My is is connected to my I will. Or maybe I should say it this way. My I will should be connected to my is. I'll show it to you another translation to, to help you. Show it in the, the Passion Translation. It says this. Here I, here I am. 
depressed and downcast. Like David's not ashamed of his current situation. See, some of us, we can't even tell people we're angry. We can't even tell people we have doubts about God or that we have doubts about our future, if God's going to come through. David, he's not ashamed. He's like, here I am, depressed, downcast. It's like already for like the 30th time in the Psalms. <laughs> then he says this, yet I will. Here I am, my current condition, yet I will, my future place. My, my future position. I will not allow my current condition to become my permanent position. So this is key for you. This, this could change your life. Here I am. This is your current position. Yet I will is what God has for me. So although I recognize where I am, I am not content in staying there. I may be bound today. Here I am. But I will be free. I may be struggling today, but I will be Free. I will be, my, my, I might be in bondage right now. Here I am in bondage, but I will be. You, you got to figure out what your I will is. So many of us get stuck in here I am that we never move past that point. I've seen believers for years and years. Well, here I am. This is, this is the hand life dealt me. You ever heard this? This is the hand life dealt me. Here I am. Well, this happened. And how long are you going to live in the past? I'm not trying to not say your pain's important or that it's real or that David proved this. He said, I have feelings and I'm not afraid to share them. I'm not afraid to be honest about it. So I'm not saying stuff your feelings. I'm not saying lie. I'm not saying like try to hide every, every, all, all your emotions from someone. I'm saying don't let your emotions tell you where you have to spend the rest of your life. Make a decision that here I am, yet I will. Here I am. Yet I will. My current condition can always be traced back to a pervasive mindset. So wherever you end up is because you have thought that, you sh that you're going to stay at that place. The people that I talk to that are in bondage think that they're never going to get free. The people that I, think, that I find that are poor think that they're always going to be poor. The people that I, think that, that, that I find that are angry think that there's no way that they could ever not be angry. They have now settled into a position that should be temporary, but they have allowed it to be permanent because they haven't understood that even though I'm here, I will not, I will not, I will not stay here. We can't stay here. You can't stay there. You've got to change. You've got to move forward. How long will your past hold you in captivity? How long will prisoners of your past hold, or, 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 or uh, the pain of your past hold you in captivity for your future? I've seen people that are just completely crippled in their emotions because of what happened in the past. Did what happened in the past hurt? Yeah. Was it painful? Yeah. Did it affect me? Yeah. It just doesn't have to define me. See, that's the beauty of hope and faith, is that no matter what I've been through, doesn't mean that I have to stay in that place. Here I am, yet I will. God wants you to be an overcomer. God wants you to have faith for tomorrow. Do you know that God's plan for you is good? God has a good future for you, a good plan for you, a good ending for you, a good outcome for you. It's good. So I can have hope for it. My faith says that that can actually happen right now. So you might have faith today. And I'm going to tell you this, your breakthrough can happen today. You can have hope for it, but your faith pulls it right now into your reality. Does your hope or your here I am, get the last word 
in your life. Because for most people, it's the here I am. Here I am. This is just where life stuck me. This is what people did to me. I'll never be the same. I'll never get over. I'll never love again. I'll never forgive. I'll never. Have you heard all of these things? And we're left bitter and stuck and crippled in a life that God wants to move us through to a place of freedom, to a place of life, to a place of joy, to a place of fulfillment. I got a couple thoughts from this passage, specifically the last verse, verse 11. It says, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? David's asking himself, self-talk. Then he says this, put your hope in God. This is the pendulum. All right, this is the pendulum of the poetry. Why are you so downcast? Why are you so discouraged? And then he talks, he doesn't, he doesn't just complain to himself. He shifts it and he begins to talk to himself and he says this. He says, I will yet praise I will, or put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So let me just give you a couple like real simple I wills as we close down. Some, some, some super simple decisions, and this is what I believe will alter the trajectory of your life. I will silence the voice of negativity. Here I am, I'm hearing these voices, people are saying these things, but I will silence the voice of negativity. I'm going to stop listening to complaints about God. This is what David said. He said, people are asking, where is your God? Where is your God? Listen, we're not God. I don't know why he heals, why he doesn't heal. I don't know why, when he's going to come through or, or uh, in the way that he's going to come through. I just know he will. So I've got to stop listening to the complaints and the negativity of people so that I can stand firm in my I will. I will silence the voice of negativity. I will put my hope in God. I will put my hope in God. Many of us have hope, and our hope is in a lot of different things. That's usually how we ended up in the here I am, is I hoped that she would. I hoped that he would. I hoped that this would. I, put your hope in God. I will silence the voice of negativity. I will put my hope in God. I will be a praiser be a praiser. Be a praiser. I will declare God's ability to bring a good result. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. David, uh, in, in the Old Testament, when he was, before he was king, King Saul was reigning at the time, and King Saul was afflicted by demons. He had like these demonic influences. And, and, and so he heard that David played the harp, that he was a worshiper. So he called David to come into play. And every time David came and he played his harp, the demons would leave. As soon as he came to worship. So David's harp, it cured Saul's demonic fits or demonic rages. But this is what's crazy. David's harp, what he did, cured someone else. But his hope cured himself. If you don't have hope... If you don't have hope in tomorrow, if you don't have hope in the future, it is going to rob you of life. Hope is the beginning, but hope is not alone. Hope is what happens to me inwardly. We just talked about external affliction and internal despair. Watch this. When, when I begin to hope, that's inwardly. I'm hoping for a better end. I'm hoping for a better result. But then this says, yet I will praise. So I will be a praiser. Hope is internal, praise is external. Uh, you, you ever rode a bike and, and, and you're pedaling? You ever tried to ride with one pedal? 
That's hope. Hope is one side. It's just kind of hope, hope. But to get momentum, you have to combine what is internal with that which is external. So I combine my hope with praise. And then it begins to have a little fluidity. It begins to have a little movement. Hope and praise. Hope and praise. Praise is just declaring the good that I'm hoping for. Praise is just declaring the good that God is. Praise is just saying what God is about to do in my life. Listen, God hasn't forgotten who he is. God has not forgotten what he's about to do. We don't praise to tell God or to remind God how good he is. I love thinking about this because some people are like, man, why do I have to tell God I love him? Did he forget or does he not know? Is he insecure? It's like, I love you guys. Like, really? <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> or praise is like, we're supposed to start praising God and, and, and then God's like, oh yeah, I should do something about this. No, praise is just declaring what we know God to do. Praise is declaring what we know God to be. So when I hope for a good outcome, I begin to praise God for that outcome and momentum begins to happen in my life. And when I have momentum, I have the ability to break through in places that I never would have been able to break through before. And maybe you've been full of hope. Maybe you've had hope and had hope, but I'm telling you it's time to combine it with praise and begin to allow it to come out of your mouth. God, you are my provider. God, you are my source. God, you are my rescuer. God, you are my freedom. God, you are my sustenance. God, you, it begins to bring momentum as you hope and praise. Some I wills. Speaking, to, I don't care where you are today. Where you are is okay. Here I am. But you don't, you don't have to stay there. So you can start declaring in your own mind, in your own heart, you begin praising God. Like, I will trust God. I will forgive I will be used by God. I will hear the voice of God. I will obey the word of God. I will operate in the wisdom of God. I will have a pure mind. I will have a focused mind. I will have a free heart. I will be a man of God. I will be a good husband. I will raise a godly family. I will be happy. I will be at peace. I will be honorable. It is the internal becoming external, or I should say this way, internal working with the external, I'm hoping for and I'm praising. I'm hoping for and I'm praising. Do you know what most people do? Most people sit at here I am and wait for here I am to change. Well, if they change, my marriage will change. True? What have you changed? Well, if they start, what have you do? Well, if church, what if you do? Well, if past, what if, what if, what if you do? It, it, it's recognizing that no matter where my geography is today, it is not the place that I'm going to stay. So hope believes for that next place and praise begins to move me there. And so I hope and I praise and I hope and I praise and I hope and I praise and it works together in my life to move me towards what God has for me. And this is what I believe for you. I believe this. I believe that God has a great future for you, but you'll never get to the great future unless you recognize that where you are today is not where you need to stay. I've talked to people who've been saved for 30 years and like, well, man, I'm so happy that the young people are passionate. I want to ask you a question, sir. Where'd your passion go? Where'd your desire 
for God go. Well, I'm going to leave it to the young. No, we need everybody. We need it. Don't let a young person out worship you. Don't let some young whippersnapper, as they say, out praise you. Don't let somebody come. I'm competitive. I'm like super good. Nobody's going to out worship me. Some competition can be good. Nobody's going to out praise me. Nobody's going to out pray me. I'm not talking about performance. I'm talking about I'm going to be a praiser. I'm going to be a worshiper. I'm going to be a prayer. I'm going to yearn for God like David yearned for God. As a deer pants for the water, God so my soul longs for me. I went through some stuff. I had some bad days. I had some bad chapters. I had some bad seasons. I had some bad injuries. But here I am. But I won't stay here because I will be an overcomer. I will be righteous. I will do what's right. I will break through. I will be okay. I will make a difference. I will change my world. I will. And we need a church of praisers. No matter where you are right now, I want a holy discontentment to settle in your heart. Man, Pastor, I thought I was doing all right. I hope you get discontented today. It's a bad thing to say, isn't it? I hope you leave so just discontented, so irritated and provoked because of the great things that God has available to you. I mean, the, the goodness of God. There's so much to the presence of God. Think about this. He's the God of the universe. How much have we experienced of the God of the universe? So how much more would he have? And we're going to stop at our here I am? No. We need a drive that says I will. I will pursue you. God, I will run after you. There might be people that are watching this or in this room. You're even far from God right now. That's where you are. That's your location. And you've got to make a decision at some point that says, here I am, but I will. I, I will draw near to you, God. I will drop the walls. I'll drop the mask. What, what I love about David is that he didn't worship God with a facade. He worshiped God with authenticity. So you may be in here today and you're already like, wow, this, this guy is intense. He's yelling and that worship was, wow, long. Brunch, time for brunch. Go Raptors. And you, you could be you can have all kinds of different thoughts, but I want you to know God knows your present condition. But in his grace, in his mercy, in his goodness, he also knows your future position. And so his gentle provoking, his gentle pushing is to only to get you to not settle too low. He's never trying to make you uncomfortable to make you feel uncomfortable. He's trying to make you uncomfortable to make sure that you don't settle at a place that is beneath you that you settle at, at, at this percentage of God when he has all of this available. I, really, I sense the presence of God. I don't say that to be creepy or whatever. Some people are like, oh, the pres-. We, we say this all the time. The presence of God, your, your presence is here because you're here. My presence is here because I'm here. God's presence is here because he's here. I grew up in church. I've been in so many services, I don't even know. Thousands and thousands of services. I'm just not content with just checking a box every Sunday and just being here and singing the songs and shaking the hands and telling somebody I'm blessed and moving on. I, I really want to encounter God. I want to be like David. 
And I want my heart to yearn for the presence of God. I want to be honest about my current condition, but I also don't want to lose hope in my future condition, my future position. And that's what I want for you today. I want for God to stir this discontentment that says, man, there's more. God, you have more for me. There's, there's more victory. There's more freedom. There's more revelation. There's more wisdom. There's more of you that's available to me. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.